have your Bibles, please open them up, turn them on. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, and that's kind of an odd place, I know, to start. But as you know, uh, currently, uh, Dr. Caden is working on a, on a book uh, about suicide. And by the way, there was a suicide uh, meeting here, wasn't there? Uh, how did that go? Low turnout. Low turnout. Okay, well, that's good, though, right? Uh, so... Um, but uh, it's Thursday nights, and uh, but uh, pastors working right now on a book uh, on suicide, and that's just a, a topic that's near and dear to his heart. And so uh, he kind of asked me to step in for just a couple weeks, and so uh, I have this week and the next two weeks. So uh, you know, if you come back next week and you're like, "Oh man, you're teaching again," I'm sorry, okay, uh, but. Uh, I told Pastor, I said, hey, if you're going to let me do this for a couple weeks, let me do a series. And so we started this series called Heaven. And last week we talked a little bit about heaven, kind of gave an introduction into heaven. And we talked about last week about how heaven we know is going to be familiar. There are going to be things there that we recognize. If you remember, we talked about how heaven was a city and in a city there's what? Y'all remember what's in a city? Streets. What else? Huh? Stools. Stools. Stools? Oh, schools? Okay. I was like, there are chairs up there, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tables? What else? Huh? Fruit trees, okay. Yeah. I'm not going to say that in the recording. Okay, what else? What, uh, there's rivers. There's a pearly gate. There's, yeah, there's pearl gates. There's Pearl Gates. What else is familiar? It's a city, so what else is there? There are parks, there's streets, there's buildings, there's subdivisions. Okay, there are things there that are familiar. Also, while we're up there, there are going to be things that we do that are familiar as well. What are some of the things that we're going to do? What does Scripture tell us? Y'all remember? We wor- Okay, we worship. What else do we do? Work. Somebody said work. What else? We Huh? Play horse? Oh, play harps? No, we don't play harps, okay? Only the musicians play harps. You can play the radio. Um, what else? What else? You get to rest? That's right. What else you get to do up there? Sing. Somebody said feast. That's right. Eat. So it's going to be, it's going to be a good time. Last Friday, we are driving to Anna, Texas. And, uh, and we live in Plano, and during rush hour, and that's like a 40-minute drive. And so we're driving, we're sitting there in traffic, and out of nowhere, my son makes this statement, and I'm like, dude, you are giving me so much food for, son, uh, for Tuesday morning. Thank you, son. But just out of nowhere, and I kid you not, this really did happen. You can ask my wife. My son out of nowhere says, Dad, I'm scared to die. And I'm like going, okay, did, did God like give him like some sort of moment? Like we're going to get ready to get into a crash or something like that. And we're all going to die. And he's like getting like this vision or whatever. You know, that, that sort of stuff. It just kind of runs through my mind. I don't know about you. But he said, Dad, I'm scared to die. What's going to happen? And I, and I tried to explain in a way for his, for his 11-year-old mind to understand. And then I said, son, uh, did something funny happen at school today? I kind of changed the subject to kind of get him off of that subject and then it's 
Saturday morning, or actually it's Saturday afternoon, we are driving to go get a new TV because our old TV, it finally, you know, zonked out. And so we're on our way to Best Buy, and I'm just simply driving from my house up into Frisco. And as we're driving, my son says this, two days in a row. First of all, he asks about dad. Second of all, we're on here Saturday afternoon. It's about 1230. We're driving to Frisco, going to Best Buy. And what does my son say? My son says, Dad... I don't understand eternity. And I said, well, son, none of us do. I said, it, it is a tough concept to grasp. And he goes, well, every time I think about it, I just kind of freak out. And I'm like, well, I'll be honest with you, son, when I was your age, and even today, every once in a while, I'll think about forever, and I kind of do this. <laughs> you know, I kind of get the holy heebie-jeebies because I can't quite understand, I can't quite fathom or comprehend what eternity is like. And today, for us to understand our future and to become comfortable, not even become comfortable with death, but say, man, I can't wait to get to heaven. We have to understand the very beginning. We need to understand our Creator, and we also need to understand ourselves and that we are created by God for an eternal future. Get this. We are created by God for an eternal future. Now, this is extremely important to us. And so we need to talk about creation so we can talk about heaven. Okay, we need to understand how and why we were created so we can understand not only today, but also our future. Now, this is important because there is uh, some people that believe in what's known as theistic evolution. Does everybody, does anybody in here know what theistic evolution is? Okay, if you know what theistic evolution is, um, we believe and I believe that in the creation, okay, I believe that God created the heavens and the earth in seven days. On the sixth day, He created everything that we see, hear, smell, touch, everything that we can... You know, he created us, um, he created man, he created plants, he created animals. And then on the seventh day, God rested. Seven 24-hour periods. There are those that believe in what's known as theistic evolution, which a theistic evolutionist believes that God used evolution okay, to create the world. And there were certain points along the timeline that as the Big Bang happened and then as, you know, kind of the primordial goo began to form, that God just simply intervened during those times and kind of used His little God touch and caused and influenced things to happen and to develop. Now, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, and we're kind of wading into deep water, but there are three reasons why you need to rethink theistic evolution. First of all, you must reconcile the belief of theistic evolution and how Scripture reads. Okay? In other words, there is a distinct difference between the way a theistic evolutionist thinks and what Scripture says. And so you must somehow 
reconcile that. The second thing you must reconcile is the humanity of Jesus Christ and who Jesus Christ truly is. And understand this, and I know we're kind of getting into some deep water and I'm only going to kind of hit the high point here, but you must understand that if we evolved, okay, and if we have evolved over time, then if Jesus shows up on the scene and he is 100% God and 100% man, we must understand that when Jesus Christ showed up, he only came from who? Did he come from, well, he has a heavenly father, but does he have an earthly father? No, but he had Mary, correct? Jesus skipped the evolutionary chain. Does that make sense? Just think about this, okay? So he skipped the evolutionary chain, and so if Jesus came to die, okay, then he came to die for people like him, not people like us. Because you see, we are different than Jesus Christ. Y'all follow? Y'all with me? Y'all follow me? If you follow me, say I follow you. Okay, I follow you, all right? Okay, and get this, okay? And understand this concept. We, if we are involved in evolution and if we are a product of evolution, that means that we are currently still evolving. That means we have changed, okay? That means when Jesus came and died 2,000 years ago, he only died for maybe those that were like him, but we have evolved and we are different and we have changed, so you have to reconcile that fact, okay? Now I'm telling you, I'm just hitting the high points here, okay? Now, the third reason, the third reason is, is uh, we have to reconcile what Paul wrote, okay? We have to reconcile what Paul wrote. If you are a theistic evolutionist, you have to, you have to reconcile what Paul wrote, and that is this in 1 Corinthians 15, 39. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. Paul writes about this in Romans as well. And so we need to understand that Scripture even says, hey, listen, animals are different from human beings. Okay? When you sit there and when I hear people say, well, you know, it's just the animal in us. Guys, we are not animals. Okay? There's nothing about us that comes from animals. And Scripture continues to reiterate this. You say, Justin, why is this important? Just go ahead and ask. Why is this important? This is important because when we look at creation and when we look at when God created us, He created us with eternity in mind. He created us with eternity in mind. And so in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says this, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Everybody say breath of life. Okay? He breathed the breath of life. And the man became a living being and now... The Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. There are two quick thoughts I want to talk about today about heaven and creation. And the first thought is this. God created man to be eternal. Okay, God created us 
to be eternal. When you look in verse 7, it says, Then God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Please note here that our bodies are formed from the dust of the ground. We come from the earth. The first part of that verse, it says, Then the Lord God formed man from what? From the dust of the ground. Our fabric is earthly, okay? And our fashioning is like that of an earthen vessel. Much like you have, and we identify so much, you hear that verse, you know, uh, he is the potter and I am the clay. That literally happened, okay? God formed Adam from the dust. He is the literal potter. And Adam was the first clay vessel made. Our bodies are earthen vessels. Job 10.9 says this, Remember that you molded me like clay. Will you turn me to dust again? Not only are our bodies from the earth, but everything we have comes from the earth. Everything we have comes from the earth. Our food is out of the out of the earth. In verse 9 it says, The Lord made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. The beauty that we see comes from the earth. We have the ocean, we have the white sands, you have the mountains, you have the snow, you have the plains, we have the minerals, we have the chemicals, we have building materials, we have sources of power. Everything that we have comes from the earth, including nuclear weapons. Now, you say, well, nuclear weapons. God didn't create nuclear weapons. He gave us the raw materials to create that. Okay? We didn't just grab that, create that out of thin air. We had to use some sort of material to start with. And this is important too. Even animals came out of the ground. And most people miss this. Animals came out of the ground in Genesis chapter 1, verse 24. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock and the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. Our familiarity is with the earth and everything that is on the earth, from plants to the animals to including the dirt. Okay? My wife asked me one time, because I kept on saying, man, I want to buy some land. I want to buy some land. I want to buy some... How many of you here want to own land? Okay, your hand like raised, like shot right up. Okay, how many, how many of y'all seriously, you want to own the land? And it may not be a thousand acres, but you just kind of want your own little piece of dirt. It could be a half acre. It could be a quarter acre. How many of y'all just want dirt? How many? Okay, I see some guys not raising their hand, but you're nodding your heads like, yes, I want dirt. Guys, we have a natural connection to the earth because we are created from it. Okay, we love our animals. We love our dogs. We love our cats. If you're a cat lover, you know, we'll pray for you. But, you know, we love our dogs. We love our cats. We love our hamsters. We love our horses. Why? Because all of these things came from where? From the earth. Okay. And so as God has created all these things, they are created and we can identify with them because 
We all come from the same thing, but there is a big difference between a human and an animal. Verse 7, it says this, Then the Lord formed man from the dust of the ground, and that man uh, was formed from the earth. And then God said, Breathe into the nostrils the breath of life. When you look at the account of creation, God spoke everything into existence. Okay? When you look at the account of creation in Genesis chapter 1, it says this, And God said, and then it happened. Mankind is the only thing God formed into existence. God spoke everything else into existence. Get that? He spoke the animals into existence. He spoke the plants into existence. He spoke the light. He spoke the world into existence. But when it came to mankind, He stopped and He formed us with His very own hands. You get that? And that is important and crucial. God said everything into existence except for us. We were formed. It says in verse 7, Then God formed a man. God handcrafted Himself from the dust of the earth, a man. And then it says, And breathed into the man's nostrils the breath of life. Now that phrase, breath of life, is interesting. And when you translate it from Hebrew to English, Okay, and thank goodness Dr. Caden isn't here because he critiqued my, uh, my Hebrew. But the word breath in Hebrew comes from the word, word nashnama, which means soul or spirit by which the body lives. Okay? Soul or spirit by which the body lives. So breath, nashnama, Okay, when, God, when it says that God breathed the breath of life into him, it means that he put soul and spirit in the body. Okay, and then it says he breathed the breath of what? Life, right? Life, the Hebrew word there is chai, which means, get this, to remain alive, live prosperously, and to live forever. That's the Hebrew word. That's what that Hebrew word means. When you say chai in Hebrew, it means to live forever. So God breathed. God put soul and spirit into this clay vessel that lives forever. How cool is that? How cool is that? And so when God created us, He created us to be eternal and to have eternity in our hearts. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 10 and 11 says this, I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. My son at age 11 understands that there has to be something more to this life. Get this, he understands and knows that, hey, my soul is going to live on forever. And we can even look at other religions. Look at reincarnation, okay? What is reincarnation believes? Hey, listen, you die, and then you come back as what? 
a mosquito, a cow, something else. It doesn't matter. But what happens? The soul lives on. It doesn't matter. Your form might change. That's what reincarnation says. Your form might change. But you are going to continue to live on. Look at even Islam. <coughs> what does Islam say? Hey, listen, you die. You know, you run out there and... You know, you go up to Allah, and what happens? You hang out with Allah, what? For eternity. Look at Buddhism. What are they teaching? Hey, listen, you need to achieve eternal peace. Okay? You need to achieve eternal peace. What does that mean? That means that the soul, that the spirit is going to live on. And guys, these are religions that do not believe in Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And yet, in the heart of man, in other regions of the world, in past and present and in future, eternity is bound up into the heart of man. Yeah, the Vikings, what did they believe in? They believed in Valhalla. You have the Romans and they had all of their Greek gods, and when they were done, they were going to go up there and serve them. Look at the Egyptians. They built these massive tombs. Why? So that they can live in the afterlife forever. Okay? So we can look at history, we can look at the present, we can look at the future, and there will always be a desire, and it is bound in the heart of man for us to live eternally. It's bound up. We were created to live eternally. Why do we have that desire? Because God made us that way. God made us that way. So when God breathed the breath of life, He breathed soul and life forever into us. Nashma Chai. Nashma Chai. Psalms uh, 139, 13-16, you, you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. I like what uh, David is writing there. You know, he's still saying that God, when He created Adam, He's still hand creating each individual here. I believe each one of us in the womb, God hand created us. He touched us. He formed us. And He breathed life eternal into our hearts, into our minds, and into our very being. So the question becomes then, obviously we are different from that of the animals. Okay, obviously, we are different. When you look at the creation account, God spoke everything into existence with the accept with the except. I'm sorry, I got a lot of drugs in me right now, except for mankind. Okay, except for mankind. He's the only one that he created by hand and breathed life into. Everything else he spoke life into. And so this kind of leads us to our second point, and that is this, is that God desires to be with His creation. God desires to be with His creation. When you look at John chapter 14, verse 23, I've missed this for so many years. And then all of a sudden, I was listening to a guy, and then I started doing some research, and I went, oh my goodness. In John chapter 14, verse 23, Jesus is talking and he replies and he says this, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. And then look at this. My Father will love them 
and we will come to them and make our home with them. Guys, this is a huge verse, okay? And we just kind of write it off and we think, oh, well, when we ask Jesus into our heart, you know, he comes and he lives with me. And then when I die, I whoop, I go up to heaven, okay? That's what happens when you die. Whoop, you go up, okay? <laughs> no, 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 no. Look at that verse. What does it say? My Father will love them and we will come to them. We will come to them. We will go to them and make our what with them? Our home with them. This is a picture that Jesus paints that for eternity it is not that we go up and spend eternity in heaven, but rather God comes down and spends eternity with us. You get that? It is a picture we always think at the point of death we go up, and yes, we do, we will, we will go up into heaven. But there will be a time and a point of time when heaven will come down and rest on earth. And heaven is on earth. We're going to talk about that here in a second. But this is proven that God desires to be with mankind. God desires, get this, God desires to be with us where we are at. Okay? In Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, when the man and woman heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden, but the Lord called to the man, Where are you? We know this story is that after creation, God planted man and woman there in the garden. And what happened every day? God came down and what? He walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. He spent time with them where? Where they were at. He didn't bring them up to heaven with Him. No, God came down and walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. God came to dwell with His creation. But get this, God came to dwell, to hang out, to walk with His creation through the garden. But what happened? Sin entered into the picture. And it ruined the fellowship. And sin caused a physical death, but the Spirit lives on eternal. And God sent His Son, Jesus, so that He can reconcile not only us to Him, but also this very earth. Right now, currently at present, heaven is an unseen angelic realm. We cannot see it with our human eyes, but we know that it exists. And Scripture tells us that it has physical qualities. It is a city, yet it is unseen by our human eyes. And let me just tell you this. The distance between here and the angelic realm and the spiritual realm is paper thin. It's a lot thinner than what you might think. And those that have gone before us in death are currently in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ in heaven now. They are in the great city. What did Jesus tell the thief in Luke chapter 23, verse 42 and 43? Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. So we need to understand that we were created 
to be eternal. And we also need to understand that our final dwelling place is actually here on earth. You've heard the term, wow, that's just heaven on earth. I'm going to tell you, heaven's coming to earth. It's coming. When you look in Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 3, it says this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. Look at this. I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. God's dwelling place is now among the people. And He will dwell with them. What did Jesus tell His disciples? Hey, listen, my Father and I, we're going to come and we're going to live with you and we're going to dwell with you. What does Revelation say? I heard a loud voice saying from the throne, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and He will dwell with them. They will be His people and God Himself will be with them and be their God. God desires to be with us. He desires it so much that when He created this world and He created Adam and Eve, His full intention was to be with us forever. Not for us to go to Him, but rather He desired to come be with us. To come be with you. To walk with you. Where? Here on this earth. On what He has created for those that He loves. I don't know about you, but man, that makes me excited. I mean, that makes me excited that God loves me so much. We say, man, God loves us so much that He sent His only Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us so that we could have eternal life. But get this, God not only sent His Son, Jesus, to die on the cross so that we could have eternal life, but also God is going to move in with us here on earth. Think about that. He's coming. He's coming to our house because He so desires to dwell with us. Here's what makes it fun. Okay, That means, and I've been thinking about this for a long time now, for a couple years. That means that there will be a time when I probably get to live in Texas again. Think about it. Think about it. There's going to be a new heaven, a new earth. There's going to be a new Texas. And I'm going to be the first one. I'm going to be the first one in. I guarantee you, this is the greatest country in the world, Texas is. Why would I want to live in Texas? I, yeah, why not, first of all. But second of all, why would I want to live in Texas in eternity? Because it's familiar to me. Because it's familiar. And what do you think heaven is going to be? Heaven is going to be comfortable for us. It is going to be familiar to us. We, we look at it and we think, oh, I don't understand. Hey, listen, when I go to Disney World, I know and understand that I'm going to eat. 
Well, I have to know and understand that my God is going to take care of me in eternity. There will be times when I eat. There'll be times when I rest. There'll be times when I go into a home and leave a home. It might even be your home in eternity. The great theologian Anthony uh, Hamaka said this, The new Jerusalem does not remain a heaven far off in space, but it comes down to the renewed earth. There the redeemed will spend eternity in resurrection bodies. So heaven and earth now separated will then be merged and the new earth will also be heaven since God will dwell there with who? Us, his people. Glorified believers, in other words, will continue to be in heaven while they are inhabiting the new earth. Look very hard at Revelation 21.3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among His people, and He will dwell with them, and they will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. Boy, I take a lot of comfort in that. And God himself, there in verse 3, and God himself will be there with them and will be their God. Last week we talked about heaven. We talked about how there are 12 gates. And in those 12 gates, that each gate is made of a pearl. And it says this in Revelation 21, 25. On no day will its gates ever be shut. For there will be no night there. We have the city of heaven coming down, the new Jerusalem come down and sit on earth. I believe that city will be Dallas. I'm just saying. Anyway, it comes down and it lands, okay? And there is the great city where God resides with us and His people and the gates are always open. We can come in and go out, leave, go explore the earth. You know, I believe that as I look and as I study heaven, the more I study it, the more I begin to understand and learn how familiar it is, how excited I become with it. How when Solomon says, and he writes, and he says this, he says, better is the day of your death than the day of your birth. Really? Solomon, how can you write that? And now as I study heaven, I begin to understand how much better is the day of our death? That's only if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. That's only if you accept Him. Okay? Here's what's fascinating is, uh, do you think Jesus wants to live with a bunch of people that don't want Him over? You ever thought about that? Do you think Jesus wants to come into your home if you don't want Him to be there? My in-laws, they kind of feel it when they come in. I'm like, oh, great, the in-laws are here. I'm glad that you're here, and I love you in Jesus' name, but boy, I can't wait for you to leave. You know, um, man, do you love Jesus? Do you love God? Are you ready to spend eternity with Him? Because I'll tell you what, He's ready to move in. He's ready to move in. Uh, next week, we're going to talk a little bit about what's going to happen to those that uh, have rejected Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior in our response to God's judgment. Because um, there will be a time in heaven when God judges those that, uh, that have not accepted 
Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior have rejected God's love. And there is a judgment coming. And then we are standing there and the question is, is what is our response not only to our loved ones, but to God? So i got to encourage you guys. Share the Gospel. Invite somebody to church. You say, I can't share the Gospel. That's great. Get them here to church and we'll share the Gospel with them. Okay? Get them here. Just get them here to church. Listen to what John Mark has to say because what John Mark has to say is not what he says or what he thinks. It's just straight from Scripture. Amen? Amen. It's straight from Scripture. Or come talk to Justin the Taller or Justin the Lesser or go find a staff member. Find somebody. We want to share with them about the news, the good news of Jesus Christ and how they can spend eternity with God. How they can spend eternity with their Savior. Uh, also, next week, we're going to open it up for just a little bit of Q&A. And uh, how many of y'all are starting to have a few questions now about heaven? Huh? Yeah, do you have a question? Why does your son always think about death and eternity when he's in the car with me? <laughs> That's a good question. My wife does too. Because <laughs> I drive fast. <laughs> uh so hopefully you have some questions. Um, I'll be more than happy to stay and talk a little bit afterwards. There are some of you here I might have. Uh, there are some of you here that are more interested in knowing or understanding theistic evolution. I'm going to tell you this. Uh, at the outset, it is more important that you study creation than you study theistic evolution, but some of you will want to argue with me. I'll be more than happy to argue with you about that because you're not arguing with me. Rather, you're arguing with God's Word. And I'm just going to say this. God doesn't need scientific justification. Okay, God's big enough. He got big enough shoulders. Okay, He can handle whatever criticism you throw at Him, number one. And number two, <laughs> God doesn't need our petty human... He doesn't need us to give an answer for Him. God has already given us His answer. It's written here in book, in the book called the Bible. And so, uh, He said it, I believe it, and that's, that's it. So, your argument is not with me. Your argument is with God. Take it up with Him. But I will be more than happy to discuss the topic of the, theistic evolution with you. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it today. I know it was a little heavy. I know it was a little deep. Uh, but I just kind of wanted to, we, we have to talk about creation and the creation of man so we understand our eternity and our etern eternal home. And hey, here's the good news. <laughs> it's going to be familiar and probably one day, we'll probably be sitting right here one day in eternity. It may not be in this building, but you know, I, I just know this. I will be in Texas somewhere, probably East Texas, not Dallas, but I'll be somewhere, all right? Um, Keith, would you mind closing us out in prayer today, Keith? Y'all have a great week.